Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I am so excited today because our sponsor, NetHealth, has a great opportunity. They are giving you the chance to win a free registration to 2018 APTA CSM in Washington, D.C. So, If you're interested in a free opportunity to check in with the latest thoughts of other rehab leaders, NetHealth has you covered. There's a new online rehab therapy community designed for the intersection of the clinical and business sides of rehab. It's the Rehab Therapy Operational Best Practices Forum. Catchy name, right? It's all about habits and initiatives that juice up your attendance, revenue, workflows, documentation, compliance, efficiency, and engagement, while allowing your provider teams to keep their eyes on the prize, their patients, and their outcomes. You'll see stats on the community members already involved, plus some new polls that just launched, and we'd love for you to weigh in. What can you expect that will benefit you? Write-ups, white papers from leading-edge performers. There are polls, surveys, benchmarking, calculator videos, podcasts, and more. I personally believe that a better connected rehab therapy profession has the power to help more people. So jump in, subscribe, join the conversation. You can find Rehab Therapy Operational Best Practices Forum at www.nethealth.com slash healthy. And remember, all you have to do is sign up and you can win a free registration to the 2018 APTA CSM in Washington, D.C. So do it. Now on today's episode... I am so excited to have Steph Lagana. She is a business strategist and spiritual teacher. She leverages her background in national security to ground conversations on intuition and the energetics of business. Steph works with women to build their business and align with their strengths so they can market themselves naturally and powerfully in the service of their calling. And let me tell you, her story is amazing. It's just a good, so cool. So what do we talk about? We talk about morning routines and the myths that surround them, practical strategies to implement your unique morning routine, how long should I commit to develop a new habit, and the benefits of a morning routine can have on your life and your business. So if you don't have a morning routine, you will start to have one immediately after this podcast. I know I have a great morning routine, and once I started doing it, I saw my productivity just skyrocket. So... People often ask me, how do you get all this stuff done in one day? I have a good morning routine, and it just sets my day up for success for the rest of the day. So a huge thanks to sponsor NetHealth and a huge thanks to Steph for sharing her insights with us on how to create our best morning routine. Hi, Steph. Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I'm happy to have you on. I am delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. 
anytime. And today we are going to talk about having a really good morning routine and how that can set up your day for success, whether in life or in business. But before we get to that, I would love for you to fill in some of the blanks from the bio about how you got to where you are. So this isn't anywhere that I thought I would ever be. I had about 11 years working in national security for the U.S. government, and I assumed that I would stay in a windowless room for the rest of my career doing lots of super secret squirrel things that would take up lots of time having me working the weekends and ultimately fading off into a retirement that involved traveling to far-flung countries and probably lots of corgis. And none of that happened. Um, about, let's see, 2011 to 2012, I spent six months in Afghanistan. And when I came back, I had this really powerful healing journey that I went on, which ultimately led me to depart the government. And as a part of that, it sounds so mythologized looking mm -hmm. back, like all the dots make sense. But in the midst of it, it was pretty much chaos, chaos incarnate. Um, in the midst of it, I went on this really powerful healing journey by going through a coach training program that was part-time. And after that, I realized it was this remarkable gift that I was given that I wanted to give other people. And that was what ultimately catapulted me out of the government. But it took some time. It was, it was kind of a subtle, <laughs> it was kind of a, a subtle catapult. It didn't actually take full effect until 2016. But I started my business part-time in 2013 and just kind of like started rooting little tendrils out into the world at that point. I mean, these are two completely, completely different lines of work. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And I'm the same person. And there's still so much of me that served, has been served by these two different careers. So it's really interesting. I was definitely super high achieving, very fast paced in my government career. And there's still a part of me that's very practical, very grounded, and very action oriented. But I have this like window of compassion that's opened up inside of me and this softness that's happening now, which serves me a lot better. Going from, like you said, this sort of windowless government job and national security to being a coach and helping so many people through their own, let's say maybe little crises or large crises, it sounds like it's completely different. But now that I think about it, it's kind of similar. You're just—it's it, kind of similar, right? You're just instead of doing things sort of for the government, you're doing it on a much more personal level. But I can assume the approach to the work is pretty similar. Yeah, it's—it's it's funny. I had this like real crisis when I was leaving, thinking I won't have my security clearance. It's going to be so different. And looking back at it, I just moved from national security to global security. So now I have this passion for helping other people. And it's really turned into a very large calling. It's not just about where I'm focused right now, which is women who are building their business that are really in the first like three to five years of what they're doing. It's actually it's ending entrepreneurial poverty and it's helping women return the power back to themselves because I see it so dislocated and so disconnected so often. The organization that you needed working national security, you certainly still need in helping people secure their businesses. Yeah, there's a lot of taking in information, like vast reams of data mm -hmm. and finding true north. 
So yeah, there's totally a lot of similarities between the two worlds, even though if you had told me beforehand that there could be some sort of bridge between them or resonance mm -hmm. between them, I, I would have like laughed off in the other direction, but there yeah. absolutely is. Yeah, really interesting. You're still in the security biz, just not <laughs> national security. It's more uh, individual security and security of individuals' livelihoods, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's so much more rewarding, which I, I, didn't, I didn't see clearly how it was going to be that case. But now I can see the way that I'm helping women and helping them just bloom really powerfully into their calling. And because the people that I'm helping are helpers, I'm multiplying my impact. So it's this like really glorious kind of revolution that I feel like I'm at an origin point for. Yeah. It's a story. It's a story that in my head that works really well. Yeah. It works for me. It sounds amazing. <laughs> now let's talk about, like I said, uh, at the, the top of the show here, the importance of that morning routine. Now we were talking a little bit before we went on the air and I said, I'm so happy that we're talking about this today. And I'd love to maybe dispel a couple of myths first. Oh, yeah. Because whenever we talk about, people talk about their morning routines, people say, oh, I get up at four in the morning or I'm up at <laughs> five. And what is the deal with that? Is it necessary? Yeah. So I love being able to talk about it and doing it with freedom, not having it fit like a particular form or function. A morning routine can be anything that you really want to turn it into, and it can be completely under your own power. So I don't think you have to wake up early. <laughs> if you're not a morning person, your morning routine can start at 10 or 11 in the morning. Um, I also don't think you have to meditate. You don't have to take a cold shower. And you really, this is super important, you don't have to do the same thing every day. I know a lot of people that have like real thirst for variety and the idea of doing the same thing every day for years on end makes them a little bit ill. So there's like this incredible freedom and flexibility that comes with it. And another myth that I would dispel is that it doesn't have to be focused on your productivity. It can be focused on your personal pleasure and your own anchoring. So it can be this really grounding space in the morning where you fill your own cup, metaphorically, or literally, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that allows you to be of really deep service and presence throughout the day. So it doesn't necessarily have to be you get up in the morning and first thing you do every morning is check your emails. Or yeah. if, if that's something that, because maybe for some people, checking your email first thing when you wake up is stressful. And then can that not set up that stress to linger for the rest of the day? Yeah, totally. When you design your own morning routine, you get to win your day. And that's the thing is, it's not just a morning routine, it's your morning routine, like not anybody else's. There's this amazing book on morning routines called The Miracle Morning. And there's this there's been this like wave of beautiful interest in morning routines. And then there's been this kind of like hyper extension into it with people taking 90 minutes or two hours. And it's great when you have scheduled flexibility and more creative control over your day. And if you have 15 minutes in the morning before your children get up or, um, you know, you have a really limited gap that you can leverage, you can still have a really beautiful morning routine. You just need to decide what your priorities are and what's going to nourish you. For some people, when they check their email in the morning, it's going to disconnect them from that like, grounded place inside of themselves. And then for other people, if they don't check their email, 
they might feel like they're on a bit of an anxiety bender. So it's really important to know like where your personal boundaries are and what is in highest service of you. And so how do you suggest people or when you work with, let's say your clients, how do you have them figure out what works best for you? So I always recommend you start off the day drinking water and that is going to seem kind of clinical and basic, but dehydration is real and it impacts your thinking. Um, And then coming up with an activity that allows you to anchor really deeply. So it depends on the person. This is something that's, you know, a bit of a tailored exercise, but morning pages works well for a lot of people. So this is just taking uh, the time, whatever it is, 10 or 15 minutes to write out three pages longhand. So with a pen or a pencil, not typing it in your computer, because there's a different thing that's happening Um, in your brain when you are writing longhand and you write whatever is happening inside of your head down on that paper and it's this wonderful thing that happens their morning pages are often called um, spiritual windshield wipers it's this clearing and this cleansing that takes place that allows you to move forward in a more creative way and in a more clear way which is really important when you are um, trying to be peaceful in a world that can be kind of chaotic. And we have a lot of that going on. Mm -hmm. And what, let's say I want to start my morning routine and I want to start it tomorrow. So I get up in the morning, I drink some water. Maybe I write whatever's on my mind, but let's say if I'm sitting here right now, how can I figure out what I should do? Or what would serve me best? Yeah. So you want to make sure that you start it tonight. So whatever you plan to do for the morning, you want to give yourself space to commit to that tonight. So that means being really clear if you need to go to bed earlier so you can have beautiful time in the morning for yourself, that those two are linked. I have clients at times that have a little bit of difficulty implementing habits. It's really useful to start small. And that way you can start to anchor those habits in. But it's also really important to be clear on why you're doing something. So rather than saying, okay, so Steph says that writing morning pages, three pages longhand with a pen or a paper in the morning is like spiritual windshield wipers. Okay, so I put that on my to-do list. If you do that and focus on the activity rather than the purpose behind it, it can be easier to write it off oh, I don't have time to write those three pages longhand, or I don't really feel motivated to do that. But when you focus on, gosh, I really want to allow myself to just experiment and play with what it's like to lead my day from inside of myself, to to win my day early and come from a really grounded and anchored and clear place, then it's a different proposition when you wake up and maybe you're a little bit fuzzy And you're like, should I take another 20 minutes and hit the snooze button or should I try this new thing? So focusing on why and also giving yourself the opportunity to frame it with the why is really important. Um, And I also think just knowing what your values and priorities are is really powerful. So for instance, if fitness is really important to you, but you've been struggling with incorporating it, you can look for ways that your lifestyle can accommodate small bouts of fitness. Maybe there's a wonderful stretching routine that you can do for 10 minutes in your living room. That is not getting a gym membership. That's not buying $100 worth of workout gear. Not even leaving your apartment. (laughs) Not even leaving your apartment. Or home. 
yeah, you don't, you don't have to see anybody <laughs> in order to do it. And you can start easy and act in a way that's really experimental. You know, like this is a hypothesis. Is this the habit that's going to allow me to pursue my fitness to a greater degree? Because that's the other thing with habit formation and with morning routines. There can be this kind of like aggressive energy where, oh, you should be able to habit stack. And it gets really complicated and really um, intense very quickly. And so I just like to create space for people to say, you know, you can give this a try. And then if it doesn't work for you, that doesn't mean that your goal isn't achievable. It just means that there might be a better conduit for that success to come through. You know what I mean? I do. And how, how much do you give it a try for? Let's say, let's take again the example of a morning stretch routine. And if you feel like, okay, I know why I'm doing this morning stretch routine. It's important to me. It's going to fit in with my fitness goals. I'm going to take eight to 10 minutes every morning and do this. And you do it for two or three mornings and then you stop doing it. Like how long do you suggest to give it a try, quote unquote, for? I love this question because there's like so much depth to it. It's like a really meaty, meaty question. Um, So self-sabotage comes up really quickly for people. And usually there is some sort of resistance that is kind of behind why certain habits aren't getting formed. Sometimes it's about how your lifestyle is set up and what you're trying to do. Like you are a mom and you have a lot of parenting responsibilities and you don't have much time. So you're trying to set up a whole bunch of stuff without having um, the things that are in your home in place that would really support you. So there, there can be like some mechanical things that show up as impediments, which are really important to pay attention to because there's all sorts of tools and you don't have to use technology, but there's lots of enablers, whether it's something simple that you can do for yourself, like meal planning, because you want to shift the way that you you're relating to food um, or an app on your phone, because you want to give, Um, meditation a try and you're having a real challenge doing it by yourself so you install an app on your phone and experiment with it that way so to answer your question though if it feels aligned and this is really important (laughs) I distinguish uh, in my practice and for my clients between head-based knowledge and body-based wisdom because there's a lot of social convention that can get kind of um, thick and heavy that can happen through your head There could be a lot of shoulds and other people's expectations and other people's conventions that are hanging out up there. So what I say to my clients is if it feels good and clear in your body, so like gut-based wisdom, and if you don't know what a yes and a no feels like in your body, it's really useful to tune in with that. And you can take an event from your past where you knew that something wasn't right for you and where you knew something felt like a heck yes, and you can see where yes and no shows up in your body. That's really useful. Mm-hmm. The coaching tradition that I was trained in calls that the body compass. Mm. Um, and but, we've all had those. I'm, yeah. I know I've had like, yes, I want to do this. And I've had the, uh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> I know it's not going to be good. And I still did it. And after I did it, I was like, that wasn't good. <laughs> totally hear you on that. I've been there. I've had the like energy, like the feeling of lightning in my body of yes. And I've had that like complete turn off and I've done it anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, and, 
And now I think that's really, I'm glad that you brought that up and hopefully the listeners can kind of understand what that means because we've all had those two feelings. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really essential tool yeah. um, in my coaching work and it's difficult for me to imagine going back to not having that. So definitely if that's something that's fresh to you, experiment with it now, give it a try and see because you'll be amazed at how often it shows up because my experience is the body does not lie. So to answer your question, I think four to six weeks when the idea is inspired, when it feels aligned, when it feels good and clear and clean, four to six weeks is a great time period to try it. Assuming that you've got space for it and it like neatly fits with your lifestyle as opposed to doing something that's kind of difficult. Like you have to commute six miles to get on the bus, right, and right. that kind of thing. Because the thing is, when you do something new, your body, your, your mind, your brain will form new grooves and it will get uncomfortable just by virtue mm -hmm. of the fact that new grooves are being created. So yeah, there will be sure. a space where you have to, quote, push through it. That kind of language, I don't like the push because I don't advocate people forcing against things, but there will be a space where it will get uncomfortable and you have to have a really clear understanding of why you're doing it. So that way you can continue to show up through that discomfort because it's temporary. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, NetHealth. They are giving away a free registration to the 2019 APTA CSM in Washington, D.C. So what do you have to do to enter? All you have to do is head on over to their brand new online rehab community designed for the intersection of the business and clinical sides of rehab. It's called the Rehab Therapy Operational Best Practices Forum. If you want to enter for your chance to win a free registration to CSM 2019, head on over to nethealth.com healthy, and this is only for the month of October. So get over there ASAP and register. And what if you slip up a couple of times? Do you berate yourself and say, screw it, I'm not doing it anymore? I mean, I know the answer to this, but are, <laughs> I feel like this is a valid question because a lot of people do this to themselves. Oh, yeah. Self-flagellation is real. Yeah. So, I mean, even just being curious instead of going in for the kill, you know, mm -hmm. is really important. Like just saying, huh, I wonder why that happened, if you don't know. And and there's some, there's some real compassion that can come from those slip-ups. There's like a deepening of the relationship with yourself that can come with that. Instead of like, oh, this was supposed to be day 79 and I missed day 78. And that's one of the reasons why I mentioned freedom and flexibility. There's this beautiful structure that you can create that allows you to have a really powerful purpose and an intention and to fulfill it in different ways you don't have to do the same thing every day. If you are the type of person that thirsts for variety, but you still want to like tend to your wellspring in the morning and win your day early by filling your own cup in the morning, you could do that so many different ways. Like it doesn't have to be, one day doesn't have to be a replication of the next. So definitely, oh my goodness, yes, be kind to yourself, honor that sometimes things happen. And the whole point is to, for me, the whole point of a morning routine is just to come into deeper alignment and integrity with who you really want to be. And I, and I think that's a kind of version of yourself. If you, if you don't mind me saying dear stranger on the internet. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And now 
what do what does having the morning routine so you, let's say you've figured out a routine that works for you you've done it for four to six weeks you know a lot of people want to know well what am i going to get from it what are the results yeah totally there's this incredible power that comes from being in a place where you start the day on your terms so along the lines of all of the research that's dispensed around meditation and mindfulness, you're able to come from a happier place, a more peaceful place. And the things that you're doing are lining up with what you want to do. So you are, by default, you are more productive. Productivity is a word that makes me a little uncomfortable sometimes because it's like so linked with the forcing and intensity from my old career but as long as productivity is aligned with your values it doesn't have to be a dirty word all of the morning routine juice comes in giving you more balance giving you more productivity giving you more pleasure there's a really rich way that you can be with yourself with a morning routine it's not just about checking blocks or it doesn't have to be about that so you can be more balanced you can be healthier I think you can definitely be wiser over time. Okay. Let's review this, this uh, morning routine situation. So we start out with, let's say, you've, you don't have a morning routine. The, uh, a listener is listening to this podcast right now and they say to themselves, I don't have a morning routine. I want to start one. Mm-hmm. So they're going to so- listen to this and tonight... What are they going to do? So before they go to implement tonight for whatever, to commit to whatever needs to happen tomorrow, I would create two lists. I would create a list of the things that are really important to you, that connect you, that reflect your priorities. So these are things that you could do, okay? And then I would create a list of things that you know disconnect you, um, overwhelm you, or are ref- and or are a reflection of things that might be urgent but not important or a reflection of other people's priorities. So for instance, social media, email, um, things that would be on that list that would not be propelling you forward to live in your best life. And I would take a look at those lists and I would make sure that what you ponder as your test drive for a morning routine take into account both of those things. So for instance, you could decide it's been kind of hard for you to cultivate mindfulness in the past. You haven't really succeeded with meditation. So maybe there's a local park that's nearby and you decide to go for a 15 minute walk. And then after your walk, you go back to your home or your apartment and you sit yourself down and you write a little bit while you have a cup of tea and you don't check your email until your work email until you get into your office and that's it. Super straightforward, super simple and wildly powerful. If you allow yourself to set those boundaries, you can absolutely win your day, your day. Yeah. And it sounds to me like when we're thinking about our morning routine to number one, not copy someone else's morning routine. Oh gosh. Yeah just what works for one person. So what works for me is not going to work for you and it's not going to work for my sister or for my friends or colleagues. So number one, getting very clear on what you need to start your day in 
like you said, a more connected, positive, happy place. And that's going to be different for everyone. So I think making those lists to find out what, what helps to connect you to yourself, makes you happy, makes you content, or at least, at least start your day with some ease right? It doesn't have to be the happiest start to the day every day. But I think if you can start with, start your day with a little bit of ease, I think that you're setting yourself up for a less stressful day. Totally. And even just giving yourself a permission not to have it look like anybody else's morning routine. There's, there's been a huge influx of interest in morning routines like in the past decade, and that's fantastic. And there's been a lot of conversation about different structures and formats. Look, the framework that works is the one that works for you. Your morning routine doesn't have to look like anybody else's. You know, if you follow a whole bunch of influencers that talk about this thing, like pick your celebrity influencer, pick your celebrity entrepreneur. It doesn't have to look like anybody else's. The big thing, the main thing is that it is really deeply of service to you. Because for me, what I know for sure is what the world needs is more people that are at home inside of themselves. And that's what a morning routine will do for you. It's going to connect you more deeply with where you're at so you can make better decisions, so you can be happier, so you can be more at peace, so you can be more aligned. And you really can win your day no matter what shows up in front of you. Yeah, I love that. And I love that the whole giving your giving yourself permission to not be like everyone else and you know i'm a physical therapist and one thing that physical therapists have a lot of discussions around is when you're giving let's say a home exercise program or an or any kind of whether it be stretch or mobility or exercise program you don't give the same thing to everyone mm-hmm. that's insane So why would you accept doing the same exact thing that someone else does when you're a completely different person? Yeah. (laughs) And so it's so important. And then, you know, the other thing to consider is that habit formation can look really different for a lot of people. And so one of the great ways to examine this for yourself is to think about the last habit that you formed and to consider, okay, how did I come to that habit? Was it with structure? Was it with accountability with a friend? Was it kicking and screaming? Was it at the very last minute? Like, how did that habit come about? What did I need in order to make it happen? Some people really need support in order to make it happen. Um, BJ Falk, who is considered like the world's leading researcher on habit formation, he says the strongest indicator that a habit is going to be successful is that it's small. And so you can change your life. You can revolutionize your life using tiny habits. You just have to allow yourself to start in that way and be patient. There's really interesting brain research that says, you know, we dramatically overestimate what we can accomplish on any given day. And we dramatically underestimate how much can shift in a year. So even just giving yourself like a little bit more of the long game and thinking about what you want to start to transform in your life on a longer scale can be really powerful as a part of this too. Yeah. I love that. Gosh, tiny habits can change your life. Yeah. It's that simple, right? <laughs> and, and that hard. Uh, or yeah. that difficult. It's a little bit of both. It's that simple yeah. and that, that difficult. But I think 
you gave us so much food for thought here. So what would be your talking points or the things that you would really want the audience to take away from this? That your morning routine is something that will help you nourish yourself so that you can show up for what needs to happen during the rest of your day. So it's less about like some sort of productivity jam and more about like filling your own cup and making sure that you feel really good about what else needs to come the rest of the day. Also that your morning routine does not have to look like anybody else's at all. (laughs) It doesn't have to look like anything that has ever existed before. And it is just as much about what you decide is really important to you and you do just as much about that as about the things that you say, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, and I'm not going to let that happen until a certain point in my morning. The two examples, key examples there being checking your email and getting onto social media, because both of those things have so much impact on us psychologically mm-hmm. and creatively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And, and before we sign off here, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everyone, and that is knowing where you are now in your life and in your very, very varied career, um, <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, I really want to make sure she gets this time, time capsule too. You know, it's just about being able to let go of the desire for certainty, the need for certainty, and, and really release the requirement for like the five-year plan knowing how all the things are going to happen because certainty isn't a tool that serves you. It can, it can be something that's useful, but it can really be a crutch. So right now it's a real crutch for you. And I want you to let that go to see what wants to happen. Just play. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Now, where can people find you? Speaking of social media and <laughs> yeah. email and websites, where can people find you? After 12 p.m., they can find <laughs> me. Um, I'm on social media. I have uh, a Facebook group especially oriented towards women entrepreneurs who have a calling inside of them that are more spiritually inclined. And that Facebook group is called Your Sacred Craft. I also have a website, you know, I'm over at mythicalenterprises.com. I was fascinated with legendary heroes journeys when I was younger, and I haven't left that since. And so those are the best places to reach me. I am on Facebook. It is definitely a part of my jam after I've had my morning routine. (laughs) Got it. Good to know. Good to know. Well, Steph, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this information on how we can better start our mornings to better serve ourselves, to better serve others. So thank you so much. My pleasure. I am so glad I got the chance to connect with you, my dear. Yes, this is great. And everyone who's listening, thanks so much for listening. Start your morning routines tomorrow morning and and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Well, hopefully now we will all have wonderful morning routines to supercharge our life and our business. So a huge thanks to Steph Lagana for that. And of course, a huge thank you to our sponsor for today's episode, NetHealth. So NetHealth is Redoc powered by XFIT. They are a cloud-based EMR. Check them out. They're also giving away just for you have to enter in the month of October. A free registration to 2019 APTA CSM in Washington, D.C. 
All you have to do is go to nethealth.com slash healthy and sign up for their brand new online rehab therapy community called the Rehab Therapy Operational Best Practices Forum. It's where business and clinical practice collide. So check it out and try and win a free registration to CSM in 2019. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.